0: This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Meyer. It was back in the 1970s when a fellow by the name of Andre Crouch penned some lyrics and a tune It caught the Christian community by storm. It has been sung all across the country for years and decades. He called it my tribute, but perhaps it's best known by its first line. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for me and so on. And then he concludes, to God be the glory, to God be the glory. And that's what we want to talk about here today on Viewpoint, gratitude and glory, gratitude and glory. I thank the Lord for Andre Crouch and his disciples. That was his group, Andre Crouch and the disciples. He gave us many different songs. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God and so on. But today on Viewpoint, we want to take a look back way beyond Andre Crouch and his disciples back in the 1970s to way back in the 1600s, and then moving forward to our day. And I hope you'll stay tuned, friends, because your life could very well change as a result of our program today. No, we're not going to talk just about history. We're going to talk about, well, the sacrifice of thanksgiving, that you and I are expected to give to God's glory. But how can we say thanks? That's the foremost question before us here today. How can I say thanks? Oh, we're going to take a look at a whole lot of aspects about that. That's just the beginning. How can I say thanks? Some people have a very difficult time saying thanks. Some people are just so miserable in their lives and so full of themselves or so full of their agony and despair that they cannot find it within themselves to give thanks. And so they never experienced the joy of the sacrifice of Thanksgiving. There were high winds and treacherous tides that took the pilgrims, blew them 500 miles off course, preventing them from joining Virginia's settlement at Jamestown that had been founded 14 years earlier. When the Pilgrims landed, they penned a compact called the Mayflower Compact. It was the first document of the representative government in America. The first constitution actually written in America. And it began with these words. In the name of God, amen. Oh, but it didn't stop there. It was a short document. It said, We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord, King James, having undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, in the presence of God and one another, we covenant and combine ourselves together unto a civil body politic. Notice their Constitution declared it was in the name of God and for the glory of God. In the name of God and for the glory of God. Thus, the Pilgrim Colony, followed by the Puritan Colony in 1630 in Massachusetts Bay, became the focus of America's thanksgiving. Yet, indeed... In 1690, there was an earlier Thanksgiving at Berkeley 100, just near Jamestown in Virginia. That was actually the first Thanksgiving. But it didn't take root in the mind and the estimation and the, uh, the heart of America like the Pilgrim Thanksgiving. And the reason for that was that the Pilgrim Thanksgiving was so profoundly rooted in giving glory to God... And it had reflected their lives that had been not directed primarily to the gaining of gold, but to the worship of God. Therefore, it became the foundation of America's giving of thanks. But Thanksgiving didn't stop there with the pilgrims, even though they left an indelible mark. Isn't it interesting that even today, even this very Weak. There are those across the nation who have tried to undermine that thanksgiving and said, no, we shouldn't be giving thanks there for those pilgrims and what they did because actually they ended up destroying the indigenous peoples. Well, the pilgrims themselves did not destroy the indigenous peoples. There were those who did, but it wasn't the pilgrims and the Puritans' beliefs were integrated into the American psyche and character in a way that Southern religion never was. Politics and religion were not just debating points for the pilgrims or for the Puritans. Their ideas were their guides, their compasses, their imperatives, which may be why their Thanksgiving became the American one. It wasn't a stained-glass kind of faith, but beliefs that impelled sacrifice and risk and commitment. Their ideas would cause them to pick up roots and resettle to become strangers in a strange land. I am grateful. I hope you're grateful for what they did, those pilgrims. In 1620, the Pilgrims left Holland for England, and then they intended to sail to Jamestown, as we said, but got blown off course to Massachusetts. And half of their lot, the Pilgrims, died the very first winter. But the next year, with the help of Squanto, the Pilgrims had an abundant harvest in 1621 because Squanto and his Indian braves and those that were working with him helped the pilgrims and save their lives. Helped them to learn how to plant. How to, how to provide for themselves. Oh no, it was not some sort of, uh, gimme God blues kind of thing that the pilgrims were crying just like Americans are today. They've got the gimme God blues entitlement mentality. The pilgrims did not have that. They intended to endure and to endure to the end. But God blessed them by bringing along a fellow by the name of Squanto. Pilgrim leader Edward Winslow wrote these words, Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on a fowling, that we might after a special manner rejoice together after we had gathered the fruit of our labors. Those four in one day killed as much fowl as with a little help besides, served the company almost a week. Now, what company is he talking about? He said, Many of the Indians coming amongst us, and among the rest, their greatest king, Massasoit, with some 90 men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted, they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation, bestowed on our governor, and upon the captain and others. Do you see... The mutuality of that Thanksgiving, God sent Massasoit and Squanto 90 Braves. They celebrated together for three days, friends. And that was the first Thanksgiving. We'll be right back. Gratitude and glory. How can I say thanks? That's what we're looking at here today on Viewpoint. We go back in history and then we come forward to our day. Because you see, to honor America's godly history is not enough if we don't honor the God of that history. And that's been part of the problem of America for the past 30 years when we began to have an awakening to remember our godly history. fellows like David Barton and uh, uh, others have done a yeoman's job in trying to remind us and refresh our memories of our godly history. The problem is that in remembering the godly history, you begin to idolize it rather than remembering the God of the history. And so... We didn't really give him glory. Oh, we were grateful for a godly heritage, but then we just didn't give God glory in the present time for what he was doing in our time. We didn't continually give the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and we didn't recover the attitude of gratitude that the pilgrims had. And we need to recover that, and we can do it right here today. In fact, I dare say that there is someone listening to today's program who will be completely transformed in their own mind, in their own heart, as they begin to grasp the importance, the gravity of gratitude. It happened to me about 20 years ago when the Lord began to speak to my heart and show me the importance of gratitude in every area of life. It transformed everything. It transformed things the way I looked at my wife. It transformed my outlook toward every single person that I came in contact with and toward God himself. Gratitude in everything. Give thanks. Well, after the American Revolution, there was a treaty, a treaty of Paris that ended the Revolutionary War. We're leaping forward a couple of hundred years, 150 years, from the Pilgrim's Landing. And there was a fellow by the name of John Hancock. You know, you use the term, put down your, your Hancock, your John Hancock here. It means your signature. Because John Hancock signed the Declaration of Independence with the most flamboyant signature of all signers. He said, look, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to stand out, we're either going to hang separately or hang together, so I'm just going to sign it flamboyantly. John Hancock. He was the former president of the Continental Congress, then became governor of Massachusetts at the time of the end of the Revolutionary War. And he proclaimed a day of Thanksgiving. November 8, 1783. Here's what he said. The citizens of these United States have every reason for praise and gratitude to the God of their salvation. I do appoint the 11th day of December to be religiously observed as a day of thanksgiving and prayer that all the people may then assemble to celebrate that he that is God hath been pleased to continue to us the light of the blessed gospel that we also offer up fervent supplications to cause pure religion and virtue to flourish and to fill the world with his glory. Notice gratitude and glory. That's our theme here today. And that ought to be the theme of your life and mine. Gratitude and glory. There have been many thanksgivings, official thanksgivings, declared thanksgivings throughout our nation's history. We don't have time to go into all of those because we want to focus on our role today in the giving of thanks, the attitude of gratitude. And so, we continue on by looking at the declaration of President Washington, our first president. And what a man he was. What a man he was. And here we go. Here's his proclamation. October 3rd, 1789. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor, and whereas both houses of Congress have requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer, to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God. Now, therefore, I do recommend it assigned Thursday, the 26th day of November, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of the great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all good, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation. And for the civil and religious liberty with which we are blessed, also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions. To render our national government a blessing to all the people by constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws. To promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue. To grant unto all mankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows to be best. Signed, George Washington. So, this matter of Thanksgiving and days of Thanksgiving we need to understand, is a rare thing among nations. A very rare thing among nations. Why is that? Because most nations do not consider themselves to be founded on a covenant with God. Israel is the only other such nation. America is a Gentile, somewhat like a Gentile Israel. And so both Israel and America should have profound attitudes of gratitude. But when we don't obey God, when we refuse to acknowledge what he says, our gratitude begins to wane. We begin to see things, troubles, all kinds of things come upon us as a people, and then we lose our gratitude And we look at all the troubles instead of looking to the God who made and preserved us a nation. And so today, we want to direct our hearts, we want to direct our attitudes toward this, answering this question, how can I say thanks? So when that question is asked, what first comes to your mind? Remember, those are the first, li- that's the first line of Andre Crouch's song, My Tribute. How can I say thanks? And then he concludes with God, to God be the glory. So it's about gratitude and glory. So how can we say thanks? Well, there are many ways we can say thanks. The one way is just to say thanks. We used to sing a song, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so full and free. That's, a, that's one way we can say thanks. We can say thanks in prayer. We can say thanks by reading the scriptures, even the Psalms, where David continually gives thanks and remembers the mighty acts of God, even amid his trials and tribulations. In fact... It is amid trials and tribulations that we should be more, most prone to give thanks. Because the attitude of gratitude is the antidote for our miserable, complaining, maligning spirits. An attitude of gratitude. So we can think, say thanks first to God. And we'll talk more about this. When should we say thanks? Why should we say thanks? What should cause me to say thanks? Where should I say thanks? To whom should I say thanks? And what should I be thankful for? All of those questions here before us today. But the foundation for it is the attitude of gratitude. Isn't it interesting that if you were to go to the Old Testament, you would find that thanksgiving... And peace are united together. In fact, they were called peace offerings. The Bible says, offer with thanks, uh, offer your offering with thanksgiving. The prayer of thanksgiving brings peace, the peace of God. Let the peace of God rule in your heart and be thankful, said the Apostle Paul. It's the sacrifice of thanksgiving. When you offer sacrifice of thanksgiving, offer it at your own will. And I will offer to this, uh, the sacrifice of thanksgiving, said David in the Psalms. What did Jesus do? He gave thanks. In everything, Paul says, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. In fact, it's only, it's the only place that I can remember where something is specifically said to be the will of God concerning you. Gratitude, thanksgiving. Offer unto God thanksgiving, said David. Let us come together before his face with thanksgiving. Let us enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. So praise is one of the ways that we give thanks, isn't it? Another song says, give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. There are a number of songs like that. We don't sing too many of those anymore. Maybe that's indicative of what's happened to our hearts. The lack of gratitude is revealing the lack of our tight relationship with the Lord. So if you want to have a tight relationship with the Lord, You must establish an attitude of gratitude. It's got to be an integral part of your very life and being. I discovered that after 30 years of being a Christian. The absolute importance and necessity of gratitude. Oh, I knew about Thanksgiving and everything, give thanks and so on. But there was something that was revealed, the depth of the importance of gratitude. And that's what I hope, which you will gather uh, gather from our conversation here today. How can I say thanks? Another way that I can say thanks is through my obedience. When God tells me that he wants me to do something, and I say that I appreciate him, that I love him, that I want to serve him, then why is it that I don't obey him? Why is it that the word obey has become a virtual four-letter word in the church today? Obviously, we're not grateful. Because if we were grateful, we would do the will of him that sent us. Jesus was known to do the will of him that sent him. Why? Because he gave thanks to the Father. He obeyed in everything. So one of the most important ways that we can demonstrate gratitude To God is by our obedience. It's not obedience because we have to. It's obedience because we want to. So we need to change our want to's, right? Now, when should we say thanks? Well, we should say thanks at all times. We should always be grateful. We should have a grateful heart. We should have a grateful attitude. Isn't it interesting that the word gratitude is a combination of the word grateful and attitude? It's a, a, a grateful attitude called gratitude. And it's probably the best expression for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is what we do, what we give. Gratitude is who we are. We have a grateful attitude, and out of that we give thanks. If you're not prone to give thanks, you don't have a grateful attitude. So under what circumstances should we be grateful? Well, remember the pilgrims? Oh, yes, the pilgrims. They started out with about a 100-some folk on board, and they ended up at the end of the first winter with 53 How could they be grateful? But they were. They were full of Thanksgiving. That's one of the main reasons why that Thanksgiving has become the lodestone of American life and Thanksgiving. It was their attitude amid trouble. We'll be right back.
1: There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries.
0: Gratitude and glory. Recovering the attitude of gratitude. The sacrifice of thanksgiving. So we ask ourselves, how can I say thanks? It's a rhetorical question. How can I say thanks? We've answered that in the, uh, the second section of the program here today. Now we're entering the third iteration of the program. And we ask the question, when should I give thanks? Well... I should give thanks at all times. The Bible says his praise should continually be in my mouth. I will thank the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be at my mouth. Are you thanking the Lord at all times or just when you feel like it? See, one of the problems is that we think we're supposed to give thanks only when we feel like it that we're only supposed to have an attitude of gratitude when everything seems to be going hunky-dory. No. As a matter of fact, David, over and over again in the Psalms, revealed that the time to give thanks and gratitude to God is not necessarily when everything is going wonderfully. It's when your enemy is coming in like a flood, and you're giving praise to God, and you're thanking him for the privilege of serving him and thanking him that he can be trusted as God who has made promises that he will keep his word and we thank him for it that's called the walk of faith how about other people you see if we're thankful to God we're going to be thankful for to others we're going to be thankful first in our our families we're going to be thankful to our spouses and we're not going to just feel thankful We're going to give thanks. Now, how do you give thanks to your wife or how do you give thanks to your husband? You tell them, I am so grateful for. You can say, I'm so grateful for you. That's a good start. But it's not enough. We need to articulate our gratitude concerning specific things, certain character qualities, things that were done, that we appreciate. It needs to become a way of life. If you want to get in a rut, then get in the rut of giving thanks, of gratitude. (laughs) And I'll tell you, it will change your life. Give thanks and express gratitude to your children. Not about how great they are, but the things that you see in them that bring glory to God and... That can be a blessing to them to help them to see their role as they're growing up to become young men and young women who will please the Lord and do His will. You see, we want to keep the folk, the main thing, the main thing. We don't want our expressions of gratitude to be focused on pride or issue out of our personal pride. We want them to issue out of a true and honest attitude of gratitude. And so when is that appropriate? Everywhere we go. Everywhere we go in the most mundane situations, like going to the post office. Have you ever expressed gratitude to the clerk at the post office? Even when they were having a hard time? Have you thought about that? The clerk at the grocery store? In situations where somebody is serving you? Today, I called to verify with our uh, gardener that takes care of our property to confirm that his team was going to blow the leaves and clear things up. And he said, yes, I'm sending my team over as we speak. And I said, I want you to know, Arturo, that I am grateful. We are grateful for you. You have had such a servant attitude and spirit and do such a great job. Grateful. Gratitude. Can you see how that would transform our relationships throughout life? it might change somebody else's life completely. So when, at all times, be grateful. Not waiting for good things to happen, necessarily, but looking for character issues, looking for people that serve, looking for ways to bless others. And in the body of Christ, friends, my goodness, we ought to be looking and asking the Lord, so that we can see people the way he sees them. Not just the pastor, but other people that seem to be, well, they don't have any particular role or function in particular, but you see something in them that is a blessing. And you go to them and you say, you know what? I just want you to know I appreciate you and tell them why. But whatever you do, don't do it to get kudos. That's flattery. And flattery lays a snare. Okay, so why? Why should we give thanks? Well, first of all, we should give thanks because God expects us to. He tells us to. This is my will, that you give thanks, the sacrifice of thanksgiving. But why does he do that? Well, there are many, many reasons why God says to give thanks. For one thing, it changes our whole attitude toward life. It changes our attitude toward Him. It actually changes and shifts our attitude that is self-centered to others. First to God and then to others. It's a, it's a, uh, an antidote to pride. If I'm grateful to someone else, then I'm not taking the glory. If I'm grateful for what's happened in my life, for what's happened in various aspects, then I'm going to give that gratitude, that glory to somebody else. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going to give it to those that have helped. I'm going to give it to others in my sphere of influence. Not only that, friends, but now there are studies out there that are saying just in the normal course of things. Here's one. Gratitude can make you more patient. Gratitude will improve your relationships. Gratitude can help you sleep better. Gratitude can help ease depression. Gratitude can give you happiness that lasts. I would call it joy, not happiness. There's so many reasons why we need to be grateful. Number one, which is to give God glory. So what should cause me to be grateful? Well, we're, we're talking somewhat about that. When we say why, what should cause me to be grateful? Well, the fact that number one, I haven't done it all. Now, there was one thing that, uh, and I want to be careful here, when Barack Obama, uh, our president then, uh, said something to the effect of, uh, well, you didn't build that. Well, to a certain extent, that's true. We should be grateful for those who have gone before us, our forebears, that have done this, that, or the other, that have risked their lives, that have uh, gone to great effort to, uh, to improve things in our lives. We can be grateful for that. There is a danger, I I, I must be honest with you about this, there is a danger in too much hyper-individualism. Individualism, Individualism, yes. In other words, we get with it, and we're going to produce, we're going to work, we don't have a sense of entitlement, and yes, we're going to make a difference individually. But also, hyper-individualism, Brings pride. It's like the the man of La Mancha. I can save myself. No, you can't save yourself. You need God. You need other people. You need the body of Christ. So we need to be a little bit careful about buying into hyper-individualism. What should cause me to be grateful? My goodness, where do do we start? Just about everything in life should cause us to be grateful. One of the most astounding pictures of gratitude and praise came from the man who penned the song, It Is Well With My Soul. How in the world could he say it was well with his soul when he had lost his entire family at sea? It, that was the context in which he penned those famous, that famous song, It is well with my soul. When sorrow attends my way, when sea bellows roll, it is well with my soul. We need to come to the place where we can give gratitude even in the midst of trials and tribulations. In fact, if we don't learn to do that now, when are you going to learn to do it? When are we going to learn to do that when the tribulations and trials increase dramatically? We ain't seen nothing yet. We think we've seen horrors around us, and yes, we have the whole COVID thing, the mandates, all of these things. Wars and rumors of wars and threatens and taking away freedom and so on. But we still have much to be grateful for, and in the midst of it all, we need to be grateful and to give thanks with a grateful heart and to bring glory to God because we realize that we're strangers and pilgrims upon this planet. Just like the pilgrims were. Just like Abraham was when he left Ur of the Chaldees. Strangers and pilgrims. And we still give thanks. The next question we're going to answer is where should we give thanks? To whom should we give thanks? What should I be thankful for? Recovering the attitude of gratitude. Gratitude and glory right now.
1: incredible but the same can be found right now go to save us.org and click sell church we can revive first century christianity for the 21st century it's about people not programs it's about a body not a building that's save us.org click sell church
0: i have a question for you we Launch talking about the first Thanksgiving. But when will the last Thanksgiving be? Do you know that we can know that? We'll share that toward the end of the program here, which we're approaching rapidly. The last Thanksgiving. And my wife is giving great thanks right now because her husband found something that was like the lost coin. She looked all over the house for it. She could not find. Everywhere she looked and could not find it. And yet her husband found it. I'm sure she is profoundly grateful. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, where should we give thanks? Everywhere we are. Here at the broadcast desk, I'm thankful for you. I'm very grateful for you. There are so many of you who have responded over the years now, and from day to day with notes, with calls, with uh, uh, texts, and so on, expressing gratitude for what we're doing here and how it's made a difference in your life. I tell you, when you do that, it is so encouraging. It's life-giving. Gratitude is life-giving. And wherever we are, whether it's your grocery store, whether you're in the post office, wherever you are, the most mundane places, it seems, you can be grateful and should. And when we express gratitude from a grateful heart, it's amazing the impact that that has on those with whom we have to do. It changes their lives. Do you feel like you ever need encouragement? You might actually want to begin by encouraging someone else with gratitude. Because to a certain extent, what goes around comes around. We know that, don't we? So to whom should we be grateful? The first one we should be grateful to is God himself. Because he's the creator. He's the sustainer. He's our high tower. He's our shelter in the time of storm. He's our savior, our redeemer. And all of those operations of God in our lives, through Christ, are worthy of our praise and gratitude. We dare not take any of those things for granted, friends. We dare not take anything for granted in our lives. Look out the window when it rains. Can you thank God for the rain? Maybe you wished it hadn't rained. On the other hand, you know that we needed the rain, so you say, Lord, I'm so thankful for the rain. Thank you for giving us this rain, even though I wasn't prepared for it, even though I kind of liked the sun better. Uh, Thank you for the rain because it, keeps us from having a drought, and it makes things grow, and it keeps things healthy. Gratitude is the antidote for a complaining spirit. Do you know that a complaining spirit kept the children of Israel out of the promised land? It kept every single one of the 600,000 men that came out of Egypt. God had delivered them with a mighty hand. They had much to be grateful for, but they weren't. They chose to focus on what they didn't have rather than what they did have. Are you prone to do that? Our human nature is prone to do that, isn't it? To focus on what we don't have rather than what we do have. Can you imagine what would happen if we began to completely change that trajectory of our mouths and our thoughts would change everything we would begin to see things through different eyes not rose-colored glasses but reality colored glasses we wouldn't just be focusing on that which is negative that which is uh disappointing or that which is discouraging or that what didn't give me what i wanted how about what you have are you grateful We give thanks to God. We give thanks to everybody in our sphere of influence. Everybody across our walk of life from day to day, wherever we go, the joy of the Lord must be expressed through gratitude. And what should I be thankful for? We should be thankful for all the blessings of liberty Even at this juncture when we lament what is happening to us through unrighteous government that does not value the very things that the, that the pilgrims and the Puritans came over here to uh, obtain, they don't value that. They denigrate it. On the other hand, we see that we lament with their atti- about their attitude but on the other hand you and I must must embrace an attitude of gratitude for what we do have. You can't change and I can't change the whole world. But we can be instruments of change in the little area of the world where we're planted. We can bloom where we're planted with an attitude of gratitude. So we should be thankful for just about everything. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. Now, there are times when things happen in our lives that seem so unpleasant, so egregious, that we cannot find in the natural, we cannot find the place of gratitude. Just recently, a gentleman was talking about how he had had a heart attack. And he ended up in the hospital. Well, the hospital that they took him to had been closed down and it was reopened the very day that he went, was taken there in an emergency. So he said, wow, I'm grateful for that. Then, being in the hospital and going through the stuff that he had to go through, he found that the nurses and others were very attentive to him and doing their very best to try to treat him well. So he expressed gratitude. But in addition to that, he found a way to communicate the love of the Lord to those that were serving him with a grateful heart. Not with a preaching heart, but with a grateful heart. And so he began to share that Perhaps he was in the hospital for such a time as this. In other words, that the negativity of his heart attack actually provided the venue, the opportunity for him to glorify God and touch the lives of others who he would never have been able to touch. Little Dove McGowan, they called her Little Dove. She was a princess in the uh, uh, Mattapunai Indian tribe here in Virginia, joined me for the National Day of Prayer a number of times when I was the chairman of the National Day of Prayer Task Force for Virginia. And uh, she once shared publicly, she said, you know what, I am so grateful that the white man came here. Yes, I know that the white man uh, did not always do things well or right and that he caused some problems for my people. But she said, if it had not been for the white man coming here, I wouldn't be before you today giving glory to God and honoring Jesus as my Savior. Do you see what gratitude does? It opens our minds and our hearts to the bigger picture from God's viewpoint. So we're not always looking at our little myoptic view, our our little pity party here. Woe is me. It allows us to see a much, much bigger picture. So, friend, who knows but what you're called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Maybe whatever you're going through, maybe God is calling you to have an attitude of gratitude such that it will touch the lives of the life of someone else. Otherwise, it would never happen. I think also of a uh, gentleman, a black gentleman, who I developed a friendship with a long time ago. And uh, he shared with me that the biggest problem with the black community in America is they're not grateful. They refuse to forgive and aren't grateful. He said, if it were not for the white man bringing us over here, we probably would not have known Jesus would not have known salvation. So he said, I'm grateful. I am very grateful for the white man. Not because he was perfect or did everything right, but because it gave opportunity for me and my people to know Jesus and to be saved. But if we always focus on the bad things that happen, the negative, we won't be glorifying God. Neither will we be lifting up ourselves. We're just going to tear everybody down. Not a good thing. So let me ask you a question. Do you want to be prepared for Christ's second coming? You better develop an attitude of gratitude, or you're not going to be prepared. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 3. He said, look, There are going to be perilous times in the last days. And one of the premier characteristics of those perilous times will be unthankful, unholy. People will be unthankful. In other words, they will not have attitudes of gratitude. Wow. You can see that. Why do you think people are parading through the streets with clubs and guns and rocks and bricks and lighting fires. Why do you think they're doing that, friends? Do they have attitudes of gratitude? No. They're selfish. It's all about them. If you want to have greater joy and hope in your life, you will ask the Lord to give you an attitude of gratitude. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul said the day of the Lord is going to come. It's coming quickly, so be sober, and in everything give thanks. Wow. In everything give thanks. And then, believe it or not, in the book of Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 12, it says that there are going to be multitudes who are going to cry before God and the land, that is before Jesus. And here's what they're going to cry out. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Let me repeat that. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever gratitude and glory your attitude of gratitude will give God glory your complaining and and uh, commiserating spirit will tarnish the glory of God we must give the sacrifice of Thanksgiving it's not about our feelings friends it's about faith we have to recover the attitude of gratitude How can I say thanks? I hope this has been helpful to you here today on Viewpoint. Share this with your friends, your relatives. Our programs are up on the website, saveus.org, every single day. Give thanks. Maybe even give thanks with a grateful heart by helping us to stay on the air with your gift. God bless and be a blessing.